All the second stage tanks now pressurized. 35 seconds and counting. We are still go 30 seconds and counting. Astronauts report it feels good. T minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6. Happy New Year, everybody. This is Zach Cry with the Jam Space Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so excited to finally be launching this podcast. We are live on Spotify, TuneIn, Podcast Attic, anywhere you get your podcast at. Check it out. We also got jamspacepodcast.com. You can check out everything we got going on there, man. It's going to be a lot of fun as we start getting into episodes, man. We're going to start talking about some things that might not be posted anywhere on the internet. You can go to jamspace.com slash extras and find links and references to any of the stuff that we're talking about in the episode. Also got some merch coming for Jam Space Podcast, but also check out all the merch we got for Jam Space Records and all our artists over there. Now... Today, on our first episode, we have John Rosales from Holy Death Trio out of Austin, Texas. They are a psych rock stoner band, heavy blues, all combined into one. Um, They just released their music video for their song Bad Vibrations, which is going to be released on their new album coming soon. These guys have only been rocking for just about three years now and they've accomplished a lot so definitely check them out follow them on all social media um and we're gonna go ahead and get into the episode you guys can be counting on this show about once a week and uh maybe an extra surprise episode every month you know so without further ado let's get into the episode Hello. Hey, what's up? John, what's up, buddy? How are you? Good, sorry. I was listening to the New Hendrix album that just came out. I'm like a month late. But the- goddamn, it's so good. <clears throat> Live in Maui? Yeah. I was just watching some of that footage earlier. Uh, from the DVD or off YouTube? Off of YouTube. It's kind of fucked up on YouTube, though. Yeah. Uh, man, it's so good, dude. Oh. We're live, man. We're on the Jam Space podcast, brother. Uh, it's good to have you on. Oh, shit. No. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know we were live before I would have put on my microphone and headphones. Oh, no, that's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, yeah, man, that album is so good. It's a band from... Uh, it pretty much looks like the same band that played at Woodstock, but... Um, they're a trio and they're playing in Maui and they must have had to ship all those amps over there. Maui, that's Hawaii, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn. Yeah. I was watching some of the, over there. the footage is so clear, man, to be so old. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah. It just sucked that they had to put like styrofoam or something all over the mics because it looks ugly as fuck. But, yeah. um, yeah, I saw good. that shit. The video I watched was uh, Voodoo Child, man. They fucking ripped it up. Yeah, man. 
that's what I was just listening to right now, so I couldn't answer the phone. Oh. I had it blasted, and I was like, God damn, the band is fucking on fire. They were, Holy dude. shit. That actually popped up on me while I was watching your video. The new Holy oh, Death cool. Trio video is so fucking cool, by the way. I love your video, man. Thanks, man. Um, that was fun. We uh, had a blast with that thing. Like, uh, I had a bunch of ideas to hire to direct it, and, like, everybody flaked. And I was like, I thought you all were my homies. What the fuck? How much work have we done in the past? How many times have I hooked you up for free, you know, uh, audio recording, interviews, all that stuff, and you don't respond back when I need to do a uh, music video? And then Ben, I met him through another friend in Austin, and immediately when I shot him the idea, he was like, yes. I was like, okay. Cool. And this is the Thank guy you, that man. directed the video? Yeah. What's his um, name? We, ben Lindsmith. Um, yeah, I met him and we just started talking film and he knew everything. Like, fucking, we could talk forever about like just film and our favorite directors. Like, any director that I name, like, he knows exactly why they're great. And that's one thing that I appreciate when somebody who's doing film or somebody who knows their history of film. You know, there's people that get into doing video work and stuff because it's cool, but they don't really understand their history of film. Okay, let's like get the other into day, that, man. Out, How, what, huh? is your, um, what is your history with film and photography and stuff? What's your background with that? Um, I mean, I've always watched film, and I've always started editing. Like, in high school, I started messing around with cameras, and the teacher was terrible, man. She was reading from a book. She'd be like, now you click open and click new project. <laughs> okay, has everybody clicked new project yet? And it was like, God damn. So, like, eventually I would trick her into letting me use the camera, and we would just run around school and, like, you know, find, like, feed the seagulls and act like, we were getting chased by, we would make like use the Jaws theme song and have like, uh, you know, French fries attached to us and have like seagulls chase us and shit. So <laughs> that's how I learned how to edit. Nice, man. Uh, uh, I remember you, didn't you make a course, video you know, for, and shit. yeah, of course. We all tried to make our own jackass, huh? Yeah. Um, I remember you made a um, Switchblade Jesus music video back in the day, didn't you? I don't know if it was Switchblade Jesus. I mean, I've made videos for people, but I don't think I did anything for Switchblade Jesus. Oh. Um, Maybe I'm mistaken. I remember you were working on something, man, for one of the heavier bands. There's a chance that I did, like... Um, man, because when we were in Corpus, I was just all involved with, like, the film... Uh, Texas Underground Film Challenges and stuff like that. The so one time I did a video for Cape Girl, I remember uh, that. which was Ryan's fan, and then I was just making video after video after video. So like, so did you help I them mean, with their video, Cave Girl, the video where he's like brushing his teeth over the sink and yeah. doing all being all weird? Yeah. You helped with that music video. Yeah, man, uh, that was for like a film. We had one week to make a music video, and I teamed up with them, and we were just we took some mushrooms and. I tried to make it like a horror movie slash ninja thing. I <laughs> love that live video. band thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love noticed that video, too, that, man. That video had the same vibe as the Bowley's video that you worked on. Uh, Pinky. Yeah, Toe. man. Mm -hmm. So, 
Um, how much? How involved were you in directing the this music video for Bad Vibrations? Um, not. Well, I mean, I want to say I was like in charge, but also like when I hire somebody, I want to leave. I don't want to be like Prince or like James Brown or like Steve Jobs and just like have complete competitive control and start yelling because it, it doesn't look the way I want it to look. So I wanted to, when I hire somebody, I want to make sure that they're good. They know what they're doing and just leave them in charge. And, you know, if I see something here or there, I'll, I'll you know, I'll say something or, you know, as far as like how the band looks like, you know, I guess I'm definitely in charge of like, our aesthetic, um, also how things are coming across. But I, I like to leave all that up to the director. But I mean, the guy who's directing it is also doing 10 things at once, like switching lenses and making lighting, make sure the lighting is right. So um, I try to just add what I can without interfering too much with the director's vision. Mm-hmm. And the video has a crazy vibe. Like there's a little narrative going on. There's like a. Dude with bad vibes at the party, man. He's like bumming too many smokes yeah. and and just not a cool dude, man. And I really like the whole vibe of the video. And uh, yeah, that was all Ben's idea. Uh, he was like, I think we should do. Well, what he wanted. He said Gen X. I don't really know the whole generation, but he wanted somebody that had like white hair, who was like maybe close to fifty, but still like punk. And like showing up and just like everyone's like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? Uh, but we couldn't get that guy. And I had this friend James, who just kind of looks like you know a punk kid, like quest punk kid or something. And I was like, look, man, let's tattoo, let's put some face tattoos on you. Um, I wish he would have let us tattoo his face, but he didn't. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's what I was imagining. You know, somebody who's like you know hopping trains or something and just shows up to the party and and eats all the food and drinks all the beer and it throws up everywhere. Like, how, I've been to so many fucking parties where that happens. And God damn, like, nobody says anything. But, <laughs> you know, after a while, it's like, yo, man, like, um, we pay for this beer and the food and everything. You ate it and drank it all. Like, what the fuck? You know, that's what I think of that vibe. Yeah, man, for sure. It matches the song perfectly. And the, yeah. <clears throat> the song, such a great song, man. The production sounds great. Um, do you got a whole album ready already or are you guys still working on it? What's going on with that? Uh, we recorded five songs. The first, we tried to do one a day and then on one day we had the song that kind of blended into the next. So we decided to do two and one. Um, but we have half the album done and we're going to go back in December 28th and 31st and we're going to do another four songs or three songs. So we should have about almost nine songs on this album. I don't know if my math is right there. <laughs> but we should have eight or nine songs. But the album's going to be, we have to keep it at 21 minutes on each side. So I don't think we can do more than 40. We we can only afford to do one vinyl. So if we do that, I think that's 21 minutes on each side. So, you know, our album already with these five songs is getting close to half an hour. So we can really only add like three more songs. To right, it. yeah. I had to cut some tracks off of mine, man. I had a couple of other interludes and stuff, but I had to cut them off to to make vinyl time. Yeah, what Which, do you think about interludes? Because we're doing an interlude day, and I, I really think that's the way to tie your album together. Oh yeah, I love it, man. I I um, 
I really approached my last album as kind of like a concept or something. I wanted it to all kind of blend mm-hmm. together and have like big motifs and, and recurring themes and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. I, I love interludes, man. More power to it. I agree. Yeah. What I'm thinking and the way things are going, because I listen to lots of CD Baby's uh, DIY Musicians podcast, and they released this thing recently that was saying how to release your music in 2020 or and on. And basically, the post that we took is exactly what they said. They said, you, you know, release singles 100%. But the best thing to do is you release a single, then you release a music video. So maybe some people didn't get a chance to listen to the single, but now the music video is out. And they kind of get that fear of missing out where it's like, oh shit, I missed out on the single. Now I can see the video. So you give them more options, opportunities to listen. And a lot of times, if you release a full album, I don't think people have the attention span to just listen to your whole album. You know, if a band's like, we just dropped this badass album, 13 songs, cool. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, damn, 13 songs, that's like an hour. Fuck, when do I have an hour out of my day to sit and listen to this? You know, it's not 1970 anymore. You know, you can't just put on your record player and just sit there for an hour. Like, I mean, you can, and there are badass people that do that, and I respect them to actually listen to the music. But mm-hmm. most people do not have the time. Gosh, so so I think right, the best man. way to do this <laughs> Best way is single, 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 single. And then when you release the album, people might think, well, I already heard the single. Fuck no, because you haven't heard the album with the interlude in its entirety, where we have this badass intro, each song kind of blends into each other. Maybe after the song ends, you stay in that same key and drone out a fucking organ and, you know, have some really heavy drums that lead into the next one. So that's what we're trying to do. We're going to release singles, say three songs that you haven't heard for the album and then the whole album is just an entire experience and we so we really want yeah go ahead sorry. I was saying we did that we, we did the opposite of that we released the whole album because like you said man we'll come from the old school mindset like I wanted to put out mm-hmm. fucking Led Zeppelin fucking five or something you know what I mean and uh yeah so I really put so much into this big album and then you push it out and it kind of gets swept under the rug because it's just too much content for one sitting, you know? So uh, we decided... People don't have an attention span, man. It sucks. Yeah, so we decided moving forward to take the same approach, Mm -hmm. man, to release singles and and just do that, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I feel you. Me and John really like the fucking album that you put out, man. Um, And, like, I think it's not over. A lot of people release it and then that's it. I mean, there's other ways to push it. Like, you still have opportunities to release, like, you know, footage or, you know, what a lot of people are doing these days, there's this website called Rotor Video where they'll release, like, each, a video for each song, but not a music video. They'll put, like, you know, some cool edited content behind it. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you go out and record it. It could be, like, footage that's, like, stock footage and stuff. It's, oh, yeah. You know, I think we've all seen those music videos where it's like, you know, dark witchcraft type stuff behind a song. You know, it's just like a collage of like other videos. Old 1970s cult movies and shit like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a few that's ideas, another way man. To do it. We're thinking about doing a video that smashes like pieces of like the first half of our album all together. So we're just going to take like the cool. first five songs of our album 
and make one long video that kind of blends together. Not the entire song, but maybe like the first verse and the chorus, and then and then kind mm -hmm. of go into the next song. But but carrying out a, a narrative, a film narrative throughout the whole thing. <clears throat> and oh uh, yeah, and you know what? Edit too. It's awesome. Yeah, man, I'm getting into it, you know. It's a daunting task trying to learn new software and stuff. I've always used the cheap or uh, free yeah. software, so just sitting down it to try to... It saves so much money doing it yourself. Oh, yeah, man, and and you've seen the video I've been working on lately, man, so I think uh, you can get stuff done by yourself if you just take a little time and, and figure it out, you know? Yeah, I don't know how you have the time to do that shit. I just took Crazy. a Sunday, man. I had one Sunday. I woke up. I said, hey, we're going out here to this fucking building I saw. <laughs> and we're going to clean it up a little bit and shoot a video over here. And then uh, I also got a, some guy that's going to invest with me, man. A good friend of mine is going to help us out and, and chunk us a nice chunk of change to put some vinyl out for the album. Hell yeah. So that'll kind of, cool. hopefully that'll put some energy into it. And then I, my solo album, we're going to put out as a split with the original Who Do I Kill self-titled album because it's just an EP. You can fit it on one side and you can fit my album on the other side. So we're going to do that as a split. And nice. I don't want to say too much, but I've been talking to somebody about distribution. So they said if I print the, if I get the stuff printed up and stuff, then they'll definitely work with me on distribution. So I'm going to have it in some stores. Well, <clears throat> Go ahead. Um, okay, going to that. So, the album, we're pretty much done with it, and we're talking with like three different people. Um, one, which we love, I like, I, I've been talking with Buddy with um, Gether Glory, or, or Gether Glory. Oh, dude, and that would fucking be so awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, keep going, I, keep going. I'm sorry. Love, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love everything that it's released, especially with the whole Thin Lizzy and Deep Purple releases. Um, and that's like the way to go where it's like you own your rights to music, you have all that and they'll help you out with distribution. And it's like, man, I, I we're like almost like 99% sure we're going to go with them. But, you know, there's other labels that we talk to as well. And they're all about, you know, retaining your rights to music or they'll lock it up for like five to seven years. And man, I'm really afraid to do that because I, Man, coming from a film background, living in LA, like I had connections with music supervisors and people like that. And I mean, fuck. They, what I've noticed is they don't want to work with a band where they have to talk to like five different people in order to get the song published. Sometimes they, they'll publish that song into a commercial last minute and they don't want to have to go through five different emails and lawyers and shit. They want to talk to one person, you send them the masters, done, they cut you a check. And like, if it, if your music ends up getting like, uh, you know, stopped up to the record labels, and then you have to figure out a way to cut them. You know, they they're doing everything last minute. So I'm just feeling like, uh, oh, so if you go with the label and they, you know, take your music for five to seven years or whatever, then you get badass opportunities on tours and touring bands and European connections and stuff. So it's like, you know, do you want to live the rock and roll lifestyle and go play Europe and shit, or do you want to? figure out a way to do this right and be one of the first bands to really make money off of your music, you know, through licensing. Some people would say you do the first thing first and then after the five to seven years runs out, that's when you can take advantage and you have more of a platform 
uh, and you, yeah. you've you've built your audience throughout those five to seven years that they have your rights, and after that you get your rights back, and you have you now have a much bigger audience and your own platform and whatnot. So I'm not sure which yeah, one's the right like, path to take. I got my own publishing label. Do you not have your? Do you not publish your own stuff? Uh, I work with BMI. Usually. Yeah, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I got one of my songs into a film a couple years ago, and he was like, "Sign up with BMI." Um, this is from Music Supervisor, and he was like, "It just works better for us with BMI, and and they'll take care of you." So I just, I went that route. Um, but, uh, you know, so much can happen in seven years. Like, fuck, technology and everything is advancing so goddamn much. And sorry, I'm just cussing whatever. I don't know if you're no, going to leave right. everything no. out now. Uh, it's going on Disney Channel yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but in, so much can happen in seven years, man. I just feel like... That might be a bit years, too long. I'll, I don't know why they want to lock it down for that long. You know, two years, maybe three years. I mean, three years seems kind of long, you know. Uh, yeah, it just seems like the right business plan to do. You know, if, if you do retain someone's music for seven years and they do end up blowing up and then you are able to license it and then you, you finally get a small chunk of change to your label who's like still not that huge, uh, it helps, you know, the label grow as well. But, uh, so do I don't you, know, what do you think? We have these distribution services at our fingertips, man. Like, I use DistroKid. And I just pay a little small yearly subscription fee, and I can put as much yeah. stuff as I want to any of the streaming services. And it goes yeah. there pretty fast. So with that being said, if you work your social media right, like you've been doing, I mean, you guys have garnered up a pretty big following without the help of a label. And the mm-hmm. fact that you want to keep, you're looking to keep your masters, you know, and 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 which yeah. is, which is right and true. So I'm just wondering like how much does the label really come into play nowadays? I mean, of course they're going to bring you more clout and they got connections to uh agencies and stuff like that, but <clears throat> for somebody no, like I you that knows honestly, how to play it. Nothing. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's almost nothing uh, in it for the label. For a band to say, yes, I want to work with you, but I want to keep my rights. Well, then, you know, yeah. what what's in it for the label at that point? All right, there's really nothing even in it for them to pump all this money into it. And then you come back nothing. five years yeah. later and say, I now I want my rights back. And it's like, well, hold on a second. You know, we pumped all the money into this thing and now you're going to take it from yeah. us. So there is yeah. a, that's quite the conundrum there. And you see it playing out. And mainstream with like Dave Chappelle and Chappelle Show, and then mm-hmm. same thing with like Kanye West wanting his masters back, but at the same time he owns the label, and he owns Artist Masters, you know. Yeah. So his well, um, the label's taking a, a, a not advantage. The label is taking a gamble to say, "Hey, I'm going to sign your band, and we're going to see how it sells." And let's just say they do distribution only. And you don't sell shit. You know, nobody, you don't really have that big of an audience. Maybe you sell like five or ten records, you know. That label will just put, you know, two to three thousand dollars, maybe more in to get all that printed. So it just makes sense to do the licensing thing too. So then the label's like, okay, 
here's an idea. Let's take this band. Let's put them on tour. Let's get them going through Europe. Let's get them to get a bigger audience. And then after that tour, there's a chance you might sell two to three hundred more records. And now the label goes back from made the money back from what they invested in you. And then, you know, they say you have your entire life to record the first album, but you only have one year to record your next album. Right. Um, you know, that shit's like super true because now you you're you got to get your next album out. Mm-hmm. And money doesn't come through streaming. I mean, barely comes through album sales. The way to do money, get money as a band, is through licensing. You can do that right. Like, you could pull in an extra thirty thousand dollars a year, and then now you're affording to pay for your own album to be pressed and recorded. If you do that right, um, I don't know, man. I, like as much as I want to go and do tours and stuff, I think the main thing is to like find a way to make money off of your music and I man sync licensing is the way to go I'm just waiting can't wait till I get this album done and I can start pushing this out to the people that I know so, um, so how do you I'm just get into this? 100% believing we will get this music uh, synced into commercials and films and TV shows 100% we're gonna do it um, and how do you go about doing something started. like that John a few things. Either you have connections with people in the film industry or you shop around, or not shop around, but you browse through Twitter and you look up uh, music supervisors and see which ones are active. And then there's other websites where you can see what shows people are using. Um, I think one is TuneFind. Uh, I'll pull this up here in a second. But you can see which music supervisors are active right now. Um, there's honestly, like on CD Baby Podcast, they talk so much about that. Recently, I found a website called uh, Brands for Bands. That's another one where you sign up for the music, and then you're part of their database. Um, there's a few... Uh, man, there's... Let me see if I, if I can pull this up. Actually, I don't want to waste too much time on here. But um, I would say go to CD Baby's podcast and type in uh, Sync Licensing and just you know listen to those podcasts. They go a lot into detail. And a lot of times, a lot of supervisors are on Twitter. Um, I don't use Twitter too much, but I like to keep in touch. And a lot of them on their websites will show, submit your music here, submit your music here. Um, you got to make sure your stuff is good quality and mastered and, and recorded properly. And then uh, they need music, man. Especially they need music from bands that aren't going to charge them, you know, a million dollars. Because if you get a Beatles song or a Rolling Stones song, you're looking at paying like a million dollars maybe to get that song in a commercial. So... If you close your eyes and think about bad vibrations, what kind of commercial is that going to be on, or something? <laughs> um, that would be on Motor Trend, probably on a TV show with custom cars or custom motorcycles and stuff. Uh, honestly, they might take the lyrics out and it would just be an instrumental. You hear it, and we got a lot of heavy blues songs too that are coming out and. Yeah. Uh, so do you fan. think so you said that um, you're focusing on syncing and stuff to make money um, mm-hmm. touring do you, what's the deal with touring man is it never coming back is it going to be a long time what do you think man what's your uh... Uh, spring break everything's going to open back up again and there's going to be a vaccine out there and people are going to be washing up on the shores of Florida uh, people are going to be partying like crazy, and the summer is going to be touring time. So right now is a good time for bands to start talking and, and start working on tours. Um, 
I don't know, man. I want to do a European tour really bad. I also just want to do a small tour and go to California. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm confident that things are coming back in spring, spring to summer. Yeah, man. You guys have such good merch. Um, what's the deal with your merch? Do you already have like um? Do you have a bunch of it on stock? So if I order a shirt from you, you already have a bunch of them, or are you going through a third party service where they like yeah. put them up on demand? Yeah, we have we have both. Oh, sorry, I'm chewing on something. We have both. Um, if it's international, we'll use a print on demand service because they're able to ship uh, way quicker than we can. They have fulfillment sites in, you know, Europe and other places where they can get the shirt to them in like seven days or less. Um, if we ship it out from over here, it'll take longer. Uh, we don't have every single design made, but we do have our new shirts, like that purple rain design, some eyeball shirts. Like we have at least 30 in stock of almost every design. Uh, but depends, like some of the bigger sizes, uh, it's not. Um, we don't really sell too many 3X or 2X, so that'll usually go through a print-on-demand side as well. Hmm. Uh, a lot of the baseball tees, we don't have those print-on-demand. But T-shirts, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's um, I, that's another thing I was going to ask, because the baseball mm-hmm. tees, I have one. It's such good quality. And uh, so do the shirts that you print-on-demand, are they, they are they just as good as quality, you know? Uh, You know, I haven't even owned one of those print-on-demand shirts. I really want to get one. But there's a company that that I work with here in Austin, and they have the direct garment printing uh, machine, and he shows me how it works. And he's like, "Yeah, we can print it. We can do you know a drop ship thing." And their price is pretty close to the website that we use. Uh, but he was, you know, if you look at direct garment printing and you look up uh, what to and what not to print, it'll show you which ones look better. You know, like uh, if you have a design that's more photo-like, photo-looking. Uh, like an album cover or something, it'll look good through that. Or like a lot of nice colors. Or, you know, if there's a lot of colors, you would want to do that. But there's certain logos and stuff where you want to see like crisp detail. I think uh, screen printing is the way to go. Um, usually we'll base it off the design. But, um, you know, I'm not the best person to talk about with that. Are but, you working with... Um, there's uh... certain designs that look better print on, uh, to garments. Are you working with one particular artist, or do you have a couple of different guys that you're working with on these designs? Um, we outsource to India. I mean, not India. I don't want to say that. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> Indonesia and Thailand. Uh, basically, um, what is that area called? Uh, Southeast Asia. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but so I don't know if a math is right. I need to talk to him about this, but. You know, usually they'll charge anywhere between sixty and one hundred and twenty dollars for a design, and in America, artists here charge four hundred dollars for a design, right? Mm-hmm. So for a band like us or any band, four hundred dollars a lot of fucking money, dude. God damn, four hundred dollars for one design? Yeah, you'll have it forever. But I mean, the guys in Indonesia are just as good as artists and listening to the music and respect it, and they're so humble and, and nice and and willing to to make changes. I've worked with some artists here in in America and they're just like, uh, like it feels like it's a chore for them to like redo a small thing. But the other, you know, Indonesia, no problem. 
always say, yep, man, I got you. Give me five minutes. Literally five minutes, bam, it's redone again. It's like, God damn. Like, they just work so fast and quick. And, and you know, I've talked to them about what software they're using and everything. And, man, they've got some good gear over there. And I think, from when I've done the math, like $100 to us, over, if I send it to them, it ends up being like $800 or something. So, wow. uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I've worked with some guys a- from over there too, man, on a couple of designs. We might have worked with the same people. Uh, yeah, Steven Yada, of course, is like blowing up. Yeah. Um, Do you he's know probably. Alfie Andy? Dude. I've used I don't him. know that I guy. I don't know if you know him. He's pretty yeah. good too, man. He's got some good designs as well. Dude, Steven Yada, I bet you he could, he could buy a fucking uh, Tesla Rolls Royce or something. It seems like. With the exchange rate, how much work he's doing, man, I bet you that kid, like, could probably buy, like, an apartment complex at this point, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. Maybe not that much, but I always see that he's always buying, like, tech deck, uh, like, skate parks and, like, badass bikes and, like, uh, music gear and stuff. So it's awesome, man, to be supporting somebody and you, you see them, like, living a humble life, like, riding bikes, playing in a band, and it's like, man, that's... It's awesome to see that, you know, making money with their art and have and, a career. Yeah. Yeah. So you are, you dabble in video and photography, correct? Mm-hmm. Do you do any art, drawing or painting or anything like that? Not anymore, man. I do not have the time. Dude, I don't even have the time to read a book. Yeah. Literally, I wake up every morning, uh, 8.30, get to the gym by 10. I train for three hours in jiu-jitsu, Viking Ninja. Then I get back to the office and I start working on uh, editing photos, content, website. So the majority of your time is spent um, with photos and and that media. Mm -hmm. Video. 100%. Like so much of my time is on Instagram or TikTok or just, you know, paying attention to trends and hashtags and, like, writing things down and, and making a plan for releases of videos and seeing what's working for other artists. Like, one of my friends brought up, like, research and development is the most important thing you can do as a band, and it is, man. Just paying attention to what, what is working for other bands and incorporating that in yours. I'm just like, dude, I fucking spend way too much time doing this shit, and uh, I'm, like, determined to make... Uh, successful career as a musician and it's possible mm-hmm. i want to be one of the first bands to do it this way um in our scene to be able to pull in like a million dollars a year i 100 percent think it's possible to do maybe even more than that and this means you are going through instagram and looking at these bands what they're posting who's liking what when they're posting what they're talking about you know how good their shit mm-hmm. is you got all these insights to your own stuff as well um, <clears throat> do you use my it? audience is 95% men, which is interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, so you know, I gotta cater to that usually. I think you're doing a great job, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. A lot of times, like, the people you need to pay attention to are like Miley Cyrus, Taylor Swift, you know, like big popular artists, like seeing what major labels are doing with the social media for those artists, and you'll like, you'll see, like, wow, like. Uh, any of those concepts that they do can easily be used to stoner rock, punk rock, anything, you know, as far as like how long their videos are and stuff. They're just, they're putting a little short hype videos here or there. 
And right now, more people are on their phones than ever. It's just a great time to just stay active and just come up with ideas. Um, This is a perfect time to learn how to use a camera and learn how to edit. Uh, Okay, so I'm... I just got like a monitor and like, you know, kind of selfie stick type things. And I'm going to start making tutorials on how bands can do this stuff because uh, I want to teach like there's a software called DaVinci Resolve, a free editing software that anyone can get. Um, You know, I'm going to put short videos on how to like make quick clips, what, you know, apps to use to make like a quick 30 second promo video or something. Because I've seen bands release a single and just like type with fonts. And it would be like, single out now. And it's like, hmm, you didn't take very much time to, you know, make this post. Why should I care? And click on it. And I'll see other bands like, can spend a shitload of money for some badass filmmaker to make them this awesome video. It's like, that's cool. Oh, man, that's a little overboard, you know. Um, I'm not about wasting money, man. So I like, if you can win graphic design, photography, video editing you're saving your band probably like tens of thousands of dollars. Gosh, I know. And uh, man, I wish I would have stuck it out in audio engineering school so I didn't have to pay for this fucking studio time, brother. Uh, I feel you, man. Yeah, I, I tried that recording an album myself and got through audio engineering, but it didn't come out as great as I thought. Um, I realized that there are people who are wizards who are so good at what they do when it comes to to me, uh, recording like they know their stuff and I'm so glad we paid the amount that we paid for this album it's going to be close to $10,000 mm-hmm. but uh, that's where it should be because when you do it that way then your music is set to the par of like television and movies and you got that quality of stuff that can go out so and, you guys are based in Austin, Texas mm-hmm. uh, how has that how have you been able to use that to your advantage? And also, uh, have you noticed that it's growing at all? Because I hear all this talk about all these people and all these companies moving out there. Have you noticed any changes in the scene? Not right now because of COVID, but let me tell you, I've always liked Austin. I've noticed that Austin was very big in the lo-fi stuff as far as like recording quality and just like DIY. Uh, so when I came over here and I was kind of paying attention to what bands were hearing, you know, um, before we were like kind of doing a little bit of everything, but I was telling my band, you know, we really excel in the heavy rock and stuff. Um, and I really, I mean, I go to the Stony Rock shows. I, I love the well and Duel and, uh, you know, that whole scene was, I can never, like, what bands are from here, like French Farmers. Yeah, um, American Sharks, Destroyer of Light. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah. Um, so I see, see the bands that are here, and what's crazy is when this whole lockdown happened, like every single one of those bands that just named hasn't uh, really played a show or posted anything, really. I mean, I saw Bridgetown Farmers that have done a couple of shows, which is awesome. Uh, but other than that, like, Joel hasn't played, Well hasn't played, American Shards hasn't played. I don't think the Story of Light has played. Maybe they have. I know they're all um, working on something, man. Him and the guys, they got a they got a super group cooking up right now. Temple of Love. So Oh yeah, with Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. There's and then Susie's in the band and so there's a bunch They're of on people. that a purple uh not purple deep purple um yeah, uh-huh. album with with Buddy. Uh man, I'm really excited for that thing. 
crazy they did at Indiegogo and raised all the money. Hell yeah. Um, fucking awesome. Uh, oh, but going back to what I was saying about Austin, it's kind of crazy that, you know, because all these bands stopped playing shows, it just opened the door up for us, like 100%, uh, to where, you know, our lounge reached out to us and we played about once a month and basically our following just dramatically grew like crazy. Um, so and we were able to get thing. funds from... Uh, I'm sorry, keep going, keep going. Oh, um, the city of Austin did this um, musicians relief grant, and we got two of them. So we got two thousand dollars from the city of Austin because a lot of our shows got canceled, and we put that hundred percent back in the band. We got a PA system, we record, made a music video with that. We paid for uh, PR from our PR guy, and it's like, man, that's amazing. It's been a blessing living in Austin, dude. It's like a fucking goddamn blessing. Like this is probably the best city in the fucking world right now. I hundred percent like believe that this is the best city you can be at for music. There's a bunch of fucking haters saying, eh, music's dead, they're letting the venues die and it's like, yeah, but why do you your band gotta die? Why do you need a music venue in order to be a band? Why does everybody think that playing live is all a band does? Like, don't y'all hang out? Don't you like have cool conversations? Don't you drink beer? Like could you record something like that? Can't you make a cool video of y'all hanging out? Like record y'all live? I mean if people like y'all, they want to hear you from what you're doing. It just blows my mind that like it's like been like crickets from a lot of bands that are here in Austin. That is true. And yeah, once things once things open up, like it's gonna be different. But man, because of that, like our band is just like if a lot of venues don't survive, so many great opportunities. It's like what's mm-hmm. whatever's left, you know. If a lot of venues don't survive, if this is like a mass death of like music venues and shit like that. Now what's left and what comes out of that is going to be a lot stronger and very more uh, grassroots DIY, even much more so than it already was. And I think it's going to be even stronger. 100%. So I wanted to ask yeah. you, <clears throat> you guys just recently kind of have really started gaining some ground in the last year or so. Do you feel like your band was a part of that stoner scene that you just mentioned with all those bands? Because from an outsider's perspective, to me, you seem like you are a stoner rock band, but you guys seem to be more in that psych rock scene with like Day Eater, Naja Brujo, and the Bowlies and those kind of bands. So... Um, Do those scenes both overlap, or are they kind of separate? No, they're very separate, man. It's it's weird. Like uh, when we were first kind of getting started, about like a year and a half ago, um, I was trying so hard to just get an opening slot at the Lockwell for one of these bands, just to be an opening band, and like no one responded to any of our emails or anything. We were like, talk to this manager person. Uh, or, I mean, most of the time we didn't get a, get a response. So, like, it's very, 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 very hard to get in on one of those great shows with, like, you know, the bands that were fucking killing it. Uh, it you say Austin Stoner Rocks, you know? Right. But when it comes to the site rock stuff, you know, like, even, like, Hotel Vegas is hard to get into, but not that hard. We played there a couple of times, and that was, like, the venue. Um, and it's easier to get shows doing that, you know, playing kick by coffee or even like the Mohawk and small stage. Um, so we, those, we have a, a community that all supports us. So I, 
I'd much rather play with bands that we all support each other and where when we post something, everybody fucking likes it or puts an emoji or says something stupid on there, you know, or shares it. You know, the thing about fucking Austin, there's so many people that will support you. And I like to work with other bands that are like, like, we'll, we share each other's shit. We talk about each other's bands. You know, we, we shout out each other in interviews and things with like Folius and Gator and Nagaburo and stuff like that. We all fucking love each other and support each other. And that's the way it should be, man. Yeah, um, so you guys are so, emerging as a scene together rather than trying to join the scene that's already there. Yeah, and I think we kind of started our own thing. Right. So yeah. Now when things open up, um, I, man, like, I, I just like to book bands that are great uh, and that are good and are active. Um, even now, it's like I'm in that situation where bands are messaging me like, hey, can we play a show? And um, usually... I'll respond with, I don't know how shows are going right now, so let's wait a little bit. Um, but I will check onto their social media and look, when was the last time they posted? You know, last time they play, played a show, how many times did they post about it? Uh, if I see that they only posted the day of the show and nothing else, it's like, okay, so we're going to book your band on this thing that we set up, and you are not going to promote it or tell anybody about it. <laughs> so... I'm I'm trying to figure out the nicest way. That's why I want to make this like YouTube series thing where it's like, hey, Ben, this is how um, we, you know, help each other get more people to come to shows. You know, if somebody books you on a show, you know, even a five dollar uh, or a dollar a day ad to sponsor your show uh, goes such a long way. I remember the first time we sponsored a show flyer a week leading up to the show, I had another promoter hit me up and be like, hey, uh, do you guys want to play this? And then I was thinking, did that have to do with the ad? And then later on we were talking and they were telling me I really liked that you sponsored an ad. And I was like, fuck yeah. You know, people pay attention that you do that, that you're going out of your way, that you're investing your money into that. And, you know, I really want to, $5 is not sh- nothing, man. Anybody can do that. Um, but, I don't know. I- I'm trying to, like, I got so much going on, but I really want to help people uh, so that we can, like, together grow and get more people coming to shows and get more people to like your page. Uh, and there's nothing really out there. I mean, there's Matt Bacon, which is fucking... I, I would be nowhere if it wasn't for Matt Bacon. Like, oh, yeah. I've learned everything from that guy. I've heard but every single Dumb and Dumbest podcast they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. you were working with Damon Caraway and Gravitoid uh, before yeah. the COVID situation. Uh, are you still working with him? I mean, I'm, there's not much to be done right now as far as booking yeah. shows, but um, how is that going? How How is your relationship with him? And because, we haven't talked too much just because, you know, COVID and you know our relationship was based on when a show was coming, what we can do to promote it, what bands you think are available would work well on this bill. And, you know, since they aren't booking any shows, uh, nothing has really come from it. That's why, I mean, I'm definitely going to end up working with Damon again once things start opening up and we start booking. But, you know, until then, When you were working with him, did, were you trying, not trying, but... Was the psych your your bands that you run with the psych guys? Were, were you kind of integrating that because he books all the stoner rock bands? You know what I mean? They're involved in stoner yeah. jams and all that. And if he's reaching out to you 
to help book shows and and fill out set um you know fill out nights and stuff um are you bringing in your kind of uh bands from your group of friends which is like a psych rock scene and is the scene sometimes, kind of integrating like that yeah sometimes yes uh i've definitely suggested a few bands but a lot of times those bands are like really heavy so you know i can't really throw a band like dater on there but we have um and you know the key is to get locals on shows to bring their audience to help support these bands that might have come from China or, you know, we've, we've had bands that have come so fucking, like, really far away. And it's like, you know, we want to help these bands out as much as we can, so we want to try to get some locals on that show. Um, and these are bands that, you know, nobody's heard of. They're great. And that's why I really like Damon, is he'll give anybody a chance. And that's really important. Uh, what I've noticed in Austin is a lot of people don't give new bands a chance um which is weird uh i think it's important to pay attention to who's active and what people are doing it's a level of um, pretension that i'm afraid of when i when i entertain the the idea of of moving myself out there of relocating over there mm-hmm. i think uh am i going to be dealing with this kind of like uh this pretension that i feel like can be there uh, which probably I, I don't think is necessarily a hundred percent the case. You know what I'm we saying? We did, huh? Yeah, it's easier than you think, man. Yeah. Uh, it's like you know, I like to say it's common sense, but it isn't for some people. You know, go out to shows. Okay, so Lloyd Smoke, we tried to get on one of his shows for the longest time, and me and John would just go to when we were living in San Antonio, would just go to all of the shows, and we, you know, we would tell him every time like we were a band, we're in a band, and then one day he's like, you know what, fuck it, uh, we got Black Magic. Cloud power come in. Um, you guys support my shows. You come to my shows. You're on it. I don't care what you sound like. You're on it just because you come to my shows. And I was like, damn. You know, that's it's awesome. And it's like, duh, that's common sense. You go and you support somebody's show, they're going to want to work with you because you go to their shows. You know, why would somebody want to put you on a show and you've never gone to one of their shows before? Right. You know, um, so uh, best that- thing to do is when you is to go to shows and talk to people. I'm sure with you, man, like, you know a lot of people. It wouldn't be hard for you to get on any shows over here. Oh, man, I've been offered uh, to come back out there and stuff. I just have a lot going on. I'm actually really considering, I've actually already made my decision that I'm going to be living out there in a few months. Nice. Yeah, man. Are you going to be doing the solo shit? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Probably not Austin, but Mm -hmm. definitely one of the outskirts of Austin, you know, maybe San Marcos or New Braunfels or something like that, you know. Yeah, for sure. Somewhere where I can afford to raise my family, but Austin is still accessible to me. I don't want to bite off more than I can chew, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you'll be good, man. This is a really great area. Uh, You're next to everything. San Antonio, you're between San Antonio and Austin. Like, you're not too far from anything. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, you've seen what happened with, like, the lockdown and stuff. Like, Texas still pretty much stayed open and and has like held its ground and and especially for some Austin music venues and musicians like shit I mean it's just kind of crazy that we could still safely put on a show and still sell some merch and still like gain a following and still like do our music thing while other bands can't or don't you know yeah man I've been watching from afar for a long time bro I'm in a group chat with a lot of my friends from the band and stuff and I've been telling them for over a year that like 
all these companies are relocating to Austin. Like, you know, mm-hmm. people are leaving California. Texas is the number one place they're going. Like, there's going to be a boom in the economy there. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan and Tess, uh, Elon Musk both, both live here, mm-hmm. which right. is like, they're probably the two most famous people in the world right now. And he just did a pop-up little weekend of shows with Dave Chappelle in Austin, Texas last weekend, dude. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, they announced another five more shows coming up. Like, oh, shit, the tickets just went on sale today. I was like, I'm going to wake up and get them. <laughs> a friend of mine posted and was like, I got uh, three tickets to sh- uh to Chappelle and Rogan, who wants them? Three hundred apiece. You know, fuck. Like, fuck. Damn it. Three hundred apiece. God damn. No, I'm not. I'm good. Yeah, that's I'm fucking stand outside. Yeah, they're gonna make a killing. So, yeah, that's where I'm at, man. I'm getting. I'm really getting geared up to get out of here. I actually got all my ducks in a row. I haven't announced this publicly, really, but I think I probably mentioned it to you and and other people in my inner circle. That yeah, well, I'm high telling out of the desert. I've heard rumors. Yeah, definitely getting out of here, man. I just I have to play the chips as they fall. I'm basically just biding my time right now. But yeah, uh, so yeah, man, save up, do what you got to do. You know, um, I was gonna say, don't leave anything in the pawn shop. No, nah. <laughs> I was, I stay yeah. away from that fucking place, bro. Uh, yeah. So, what is your speculation on the future of like? Uh, how do you think? Do you think Austin's going to be prepared for South by Southwest or anything like that? No, they're doing a digital South by, but I I guarantee you that they just passed the save bill here, which are supposed to put some funds to Austin music venues, but most of them already shut down. Um, But that's okay. I mean, like, that happened. Um, Honestly, I don't know if I really want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. I think that some venues should shut down and new people need an opportunity to open and start a new venue because, like, it's really weird that, like, a lot of these venues won't respond to emails or anything or don't give bands a a chance, like, new bands. And I just think that it should be required if you open a venue that you should have at least a local night on, like, a Tuesday or something where you can see new up-and-coming bands and give bands a chance and not act like they're not good enough or they don't know how to write an email or not tell them how or why or anything or help them out and then every band just get discouraged and stop playing and it's like there's so many talented people here in Austin I just like we need to help them out They're, you fucking never know what band could walk in there and just blow your mind and the next thing you know the next year they're selling your fucking venue out you know um so you I know I almost share that same sentiment for like a lot of things in our society that it's almost I don't want to say good, but COVID-19 fucking everything up and like all these businesses failing and shit is going to make room for a new way because the way that we're carrying on in our society is just not good for the earth or the environment. Mm -hmm. Right now presents an opportunity to kind of redesign that. And I think that's happening uh, right in front of our eyes. Um, But (laughs) like you said, on the small... Now you know, like... Uh, Go ahead. Some people thought I'm going to start a bar, right? And now you know. Hey, if you start a bar, there's a chance there could be another pandemic, and you everything you invested is gone. So you know. So on a smaller scale, yeah, like people are going to lose out. They're they're going to lose their ass, and then there's going to be a new wave of people coming in with you know with that dollar and dream mentality. I mean, 
we only get one life. Tomorrow's not promised. If you have a dream or a passion or something you want to pursue and you're not doing that because you might fail or fall on your face, you're doing a huge disservice to yourself and everybody around you because you're not living up to yeah, your full potential. You know what I mean? Ideas and creativity bring life to the universe. So I think even though some of these venues are going to go away, there's going to be new venues. You know what I mean? It's like when the forest burns down and then fucking the new trees grow. You know? Yep. Well, John, thank you yep. very much for being with me on here. You're going to be our first episode when I kick this off in January. Uh, I really appreciate cool. it. I'm um, really proud of you guys as a band, man. You guys have come a long way in the past couple of years. Thank you, dude. And I've been watching your success, and I'm doing like you said. I was watching what you guys do and kind of trying to do that my own way, you know? And uh, Exactly. That's the best way. And if you come down here or anything, like what I'm doing is I'm picking three bands every month, and I'm giving them a free photo shoot or doing like short videos and stuff. I usually give them like a week's worth of content. You know, I like to help anybody that I can. I mean, definitely if you got the budget, like, come on, throw me something. But most bands or most people, I'll go and I'll just, I know that they're releasing an album and they don't have anything. I don't want to see that album come out and not have a cool photo on it or something. So I, like, that's what I'm here for, man. Like, if, I mean, now it's, it, once you do get to Texas, like, I got you. Well, yeah, I got you my a cool ticket. Photo I will be there on New Year's Eve. Angle. I'll yeah. be there on New Year's Eve to hang with you guys, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So I'll see you uh, then for sure. We're still figuring out what we're going to do after. But Well, let everybody know where they can reach you, man, on social media and stuff if they want to get to you. Yeah, I'm at a third I a T H I R D E Y E. Sorry, my spelling's bad right now. Or at Holy Death Trio. Uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on TikTok. Uh, I've been making some cool videos, so... Usually, I should, it should be my personal TikTok, but it's got the band handle on there because, you know, most of the stuff I do is music-related. And don't be afraid of TikTok. Some people are afraid of TikTok, man. But like, no, everybody really cool keeps telling there. me to get on there. I'm going to have to check it out. And Bad Vibrations is out everywhere on on Spotify and all that yep. good shit. And the video is on YouTube. We got a new single YouTube. in January. Yeah. What's the new single called? It's called The Killer. Coming it's out in one January. of our first songs. Nice, brother. Well, hey, I really appreciate it, man. You guys take it easy. Cool. You have a good one, man. Hopefully I'll see you in Texas soon. All right, brother. Later. All right. Later. All right, everybody. That was John Rosales with Holy Death Trio. Make sure to check him out on Instagram at a third eye. That's A-T-H-I-R-D-E-Y-E. And check out Holy Death Trio on all social media at Holy Death Trio. Their new video, Bad Vibrations, is out on YouTube right now. Be sure to check that out. Thank you guys so much for listening. We got an extra episode this week for our first week. We're going to be putting out two episodes, so be sure to check that one out as well. Thank you guys very much. Follow us at Jam Space, and we'll see you guys next time.